She's done the research. You know, I measured the big boys' booties for like two years. She's analyzed the data. If you can keep that big booty down, like if you are a big boy, if you're very tall and you can keep your booty down low, then you are far more successful. She's crunched the numbers and the results are clear. The back of booty isn't as good, as it turns out. If she picks a dog, she'll have the math to back it up. It's not like Travis Kelsey is done. My dog is my dog is very excited about this, just so you know. It's Cynthia Freeland of NFL Network. Now in the zone with Jason Anderson on Sports Radio 810 WHB. It is Cynthia Freeland. It is not Jason Anderson. He was a late scratch today. So Joshua Briscoe, that's me here on this side. Dylan Michaels on the other side of the glass as we talk to our friend Cynthia Freeland of NFL Network here in the zone. We'll have a whole bunch of Chiefs pressers coming up in just a little bit after we're done with Cynthia. So Cynthia, if I end up cutting us a couple minutes short today, please don't take it personally. The Chiefs now, starting it this week, uh, decide to parade the entire team at the podium for the next few days, which is uh, good for protecting our voices, I guess. No, it's awesome. It's also good to hear from them. So no worries at all. That's great. Usually we, we hear from Travis Kelsey through New Heights, which is, you know, a more curse-filled and generally enjoyable platform. <laughs> but uh, it's good to, good to hear him at the podium also. Uh, hmm. Well, the, the first thing, Cynthia, for me is how on earth was it in Detroit last weekend? What was that experience like? I saw some of the clips. I, I saw everything that she tweeted. But I have to imagine that being there for that was, uh, was pretty yeah. special. I mean, look, Midwesterners are just, still different you know I you sometimes forget living out in California just how like literally we were in this bar and Tampa Bay Bucks fans would walk in the Lions fans would boo for a second and then be like come on get a drink (laughs) 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 which is so Midwest and I love it it was great people were so grateful and happy to just be there it was freezing cold no one cared it was so much fun and so special and the fact that I mean, I had a great aunt come and bring me preserves. Like, I mean, come on. Like, you know, it was like so, like, it was so great to be home and just see, like, it's such a special thing for such a city that's been through a ton of downtime. So really special. And, I mean, I was so inappropriate in the, um, like, in the presser after, you know, you sit in the press box, you're supposed to be composed. I was, like, crying. And then I was waiting for Dan Campbell to come to the podium. And everyone's so quiet and serious. I'm like, guys, I'm like, this is a historic moment. Maybe we should all go take shots. And everyone's laughing at me, so <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's better than okay. That We need that energy in this world, <laughs> and we need that energy in sports media. Because, it, honestly, in all seriousness, we, we had the Royals do it here first, and they're kind of back to largely being sorry now. And then, of course, the Chiefs' entire rise. That moment is something that we will never experience again, and I'm, I'm glad for it. I'm, I'm happy to have the six straight AFC Championship games. I'm not yearning for the days of it being less fun around here. But those moments of, holy bleep, I, they're doing it. I, I didn't yeah. think I was ever going to live to see this is really special. <laughs> it's really special, and it was special to be there. I mean, the whole thing was crazy and surreal, but, I mean, I don't think anyone was mad at me for suggesting we take shots, but no one took a shot with me until after, so... I mean, I will say they were so professional, despite me trying to, you know, egg them on to not be. <laughs> uh, everybody, every friend group needs a couple of 
medium bad influences, <laughs> and it feels like you were uh, you were providing that for the press box. Uh, were you screaming or crying or wondering what Todd Bowles was doing at the end? Because I, I didn't realize even the, the the bizarreness of that until these last couple of days. I'm like, oh, he had a he had a timeout. He, like, you could have made him kick there. That was weird. Yeah, I I guess I. You know, I, during the moment, I obviously, I can't help myself. I'm an yeah. analyst, and I do math all the time. So I was sitting there, and everyone was kind of feel, like, a, a guy next to me tweeted out, so you in California, like, don't tweet that yet. It's not over. <laughs> you know, like, they, like, they're still, and then I explained the time, and he, luckily he was right, but and I was wrong. But, you know, it was like, it was one of those things where you're like, hey, um, this ain't over. We're, we're not, it's not, it's not done yet, so. Luckily, it worked out for the, you know, for, for Lions fans, it worked out. But very interesting call-wise. I mean, I think Todd Bull said something like, you know, when the game's over or something. So I, I would imagine if he had that one back, maybe he would change his decision. But I, I don't know. I also, I don't want to just be like, hey, Cynthia, explain going for uh, two uh, earlier in the game than you would absolutely have to because I feel like that conversation has been had by people who do want to have it. Like, any time a clip goes around of like, I just don't, why would you go for two now? Google it. Because there are like flow charts and everything for that. It, it's not that difficult. Right. But, but where do you feel like we are at in, in like a very meta sense in terms of the way we talk about? analytics and not even I mean I don't know how analytical you have to be to do the math in, in a circumstance <laughs> like that but like are we in a better place than we were five years ago is Twitter just worse like how how do you wrap your head around <laughs> all of that because it, it it's it, it, it's growing to to frustrate me again and I thought I had graduated beyond being frustrated by people not caring about numbers well look you have to make a decision based on the information that you believe is the most important mm-hmm. now we all have we all believe certain logical fallacies. I mean, I will tell you, I, you know, when the, when the Bucks looked like they were going to make this big comeback, I moved positions because somehow I thought <laughs> that that could potentially change the trajectory of the earth, right? right. But and we all have our, our things that, that don't actually make sense. But the, the truth is, is if you don't, if the coach doesn't see it, then it kind of doesn't exist. Meaning mm. if they don't buy into it, and even if the logic is correct, they're not going to do it. So, I, I kind of I feel like we are overall. I mean, you saw the number of people who are taking the strategy and using the the data to talk about you know going for early, et cetera. Like you, it's happening way more often, which would lead me to believe that people are more bought into it. But I, I think part of the pro- the problem is is now we have taken the word analytics and kind of expanded it to mean things that it's not right. Yeah. It yeah. is not like when we say the analytics say yes right like. Yep. Like, they don't actually say that. Like, that is the, a specific – like, when, when ESPN, for example, says the analytics in this position say X or Y, mm-hmm. what they're really saying is that in the past, the model that they're using has shown that this has been the most successful. It doesn't know you have Isaiah Pacheco or I have Jameer Gibbs or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it only knows, like, an average of past experiences in a similar situation. So – the truth is, is they don't say anything. They provide a framework to show you what's a higher or lower probability. And that's, it's just, it's, it's a lot of complicated things to explain. So, of course, as broadcasters, we take shortcuts and, and I do it myself sometimes, even though I have the, the background to, to explain it all, but you just don't always get all that time to say it. 
So it's just much easier to say the analytics say. But unfortunately, that has allowed people to be really lazy and group things that aren't analytics in with things that are. It also drives me absolutely nuts when it when analytics, as you just mentioned, becomes a person. Like there is just a person in the production <laughs> truck, just in like the Guy Fox like anonymous yep. mask or whatever. Um, <laughs> as opposed to on, I cannot remember his name right now, and you may bail me out. But the uh, the the main uh, next gen and, and analytics guy on the Prime Games when he pops up in his little box to explain Sam the content. He, he, fantastic. I I was so glad to have his contributions to that whole side of everything because that's a human being who understands it and can explain it to you. Maybe maybe that's the next uh, that's the next frontier. There's more of that. That's what I've been trying to do. I bet, like that's my goal personally is to you know be in game and and but little less pop up like a ref does and a little more natural conversation. Yeah. Yep. But um, but I, I think that's the next. To me, that's that's where I'd like to really go next. Talking to Cynthia Freeland. We're talking about my career, clearly. <laughs> I listen. Hold on. I, we're talking to Cynthia Freeland, who does some stuff right now, and will take over the world and fix the way we talk about <laughs> analytics in the next few years. Uh, and you're not going anywhere just yet, because I want to talk about the other games that we saw here, and then of course we'll look ahead to the conferences, uh, conference championships. But what did you learn about the Chiefs in in that game against the Bills? I think there are a couple of things we saw that maybe followed up the, the Dolphins game. A couple of things maybe broke some character. What did you see when when the Chiefs go on the road, win in Buffalo, and make it the sixth consecutive AFC Championship game appearance? Yeah, I mean, the, I, I thought that was like a to me it was a very funny um, a very funny argument that like oh it's gonna be so different on the road. Sure, if you're Miami coming to Arrowhead yep. in the freezing cold, that's gonna be different. But I was kind of like, well, you know, they do know each other. These teams actually know each other pretty well, mm-hmm. but <laughs> but. I don't know. I, I thought that was very interesting. What I what I saw from this team was a really great – I mean, I saw three deep completions, which is something we haven't really been seeing this season. That's the most in any game so far this season. That was really good. I saw a team that was able to absolutely exploit weaknesses in the opposing team's defense from the linebacker level, which obviously we knew was completely decimated, to the cornerback level, which was not quite as decimated, but still pretty decimated. I thought that the game plan and the strategy lining Travis Kelsey up in all those different places to just confuse the crap out of these people who didn't know necessarily what what was going to happen. And I think I think all of those things combined on the offensive side of the ball, I, I guess I wasn't, to be fair, I wasn't super, like I knew that the defense would play well, the defense is playing well all season, but... I, I thought the offense did an expert job of just absolutely like running where into areas that made sense to run into and passing and all the different ways that, that Travis Kelsey lined up and that working was, was pretty cool. I, I am a thousand percent with all of that. And it also is the thing that gives me a little bit of pause with this Baltimore team because you, you mentioned the places the Chiefs could pick on against the Bills. And against the Dolphins, we knew coming into that game, they they had like you, me, and Justin Houston rushing the passer. Not ideal. I look at the Ravens, and obviously they have been so unique this year and and the, the things that they've been able to do on a week-to-week basis in terms of coming up with answers for opposing offenses has been really impressive. There's not going to be a spot on that defense, in in my view, that's going to be exploitable in that way. Is there anything in the larger picture of, of what this Ravens defense has looked like that, that gives you a, a, a little premonition of where the Chiefs might try to poke at after having pretty obvious targets against the Dolphins and Bills? 
Well, it sounds a little unsexy because we all want to see Patrick Mahomes slang it, but the truth is, is if the run game works, the Chiefs win this game. Mm. Because you can run at those, like Roquan Smith, you've got obviously nobody is going to say that their linebacker level is not awesome. Mm-hmm. And nobody's going to say that Geno Stone, who kind of came out of nowhere this year, but is allowed like something like eight of 15 catches to tight ends with two interceptions, no one's going to say that that's going to be an easy task for anyone to overcome. But especially if you're looking at how the Chiefs have been able to leverage multiple tight end looks and then run out of them and figure out how to, you know, get Isaiah Pacheco going, that is going to – if the Chiefs want to win, Isaiah Pacheco has a big game. I think they'll let that happen. I think they'll follow that lead. I also know that I've said that before and and hoped in that before. Uh, But also, Donovan Smith being back and and playing left tackles had a good playoff run here after they lost Wanya Morris at the very end of the regular season. Joe Tooney, right now, not really sure where he's going to end up with the pec strain. Um, And and Nick Allegretti, their third guard, and has also kind of been the backup center this year. I I think he'd probably be a starter in a lot of offensive lines. He's he's been here Uh since they, they picked him up. But how how do you uh, how do you account for that with the the moving parts on the offensive line and maybe not knowing what the status of Tooney will be? What is what is one guard, albeit as good as it gets that position? What does that do for you in, in terms of impacting how a running game might work? Well, we saw it last week. MNC Bank doesn't get enough credit for being a loud stadium. Mm. You know, we saw it last week. Obviously, the Texans, their younger offense, nowhere near the the level of experience in terms of handling moments like that. But they did have a number of, and, and even Laramie Tunsil, who's a, a seasoned veteran and a great left tackle, he wasn't able to really hear what was going on. So I'm less worried about the guard as I am maybe about the right tackle in yeah. terms of going a little bit early. That's, I think they can overcome and figure out schematically how to, because Patrick's just so dynamic with, pre, like, if, and especially if you can see the pressure coming, like, it's just not even, like, what, what are we talking about here? 15 is just ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. But, if you're going to get yourself in bad situations due to maybe some pre-snap penalties and stuff, like that's where things get dicier because you know, I mean, you just don't blitz Patrick, but you know the Ravens have the most pressures without having that extra rusher. So of their 60 regular season sacks, it's 44 of them came only using four. So that's, you know, that's a, but two-thirds, more than two-thirds of their, of their sacks came only using four. So that's where it's like you can't get yourself in in bad, in, in unmanageable second or third downs. Even though we know Patrick's great at third and long, this is a different kind of beast with this defense. Yeah, and and that has been, I mean, so much of the story of this season even has been trying to figure out, well, what? They're, they're behind the stick so often. Those self-inflicted issues that happen on first or second down, setting them back. So that that at least feels familiar. It's just against a really good defense that will definitely make them pay for it this time. Uh, mm-hmm. What about trying to limit Lamar Jackson? I, I feel like we have seen, uh, certainly his MVP campaign, felt like it kind of solidified the last few weeks of the year, and, and obviously he has been spectacular. What has made this year's version of the Ravens offense so special? and in a lot of ways so different after they had such uh, major retoolings this offseason. Yeah, I mean, what Todd Munkin has done has really created this situation where Lamar is now having a season high, in, a career high in terms of passing from the pocket. So if you're looking at completion percentage, if you're looking at touchdowns thrown, like he's done the best from inside the pocket this year than he has ever before. 
And that's also with allowing him to still be himself and rush when need be. So the difference is, has been that intermediate level, a lot of different options. You know, we, Lamar is just ridiculous at the intermediate level of passing. I mean, between Zay Flowers, who obviously is a rookie who's come on really, really strong, and, of course, having the stretching the field situation with OBJ, who we know he's like one of the best catch-and-run guys around, and still even, even in a, a little bit more of a, the more mature phase of his career. But it, it's really the opportunity to, to take the different types of looks, the confused defenses, and, not, and then really it, Lamar has like several different options from every look, and he's able to have enough time and buy enough time to be able to find those options, even if they're not necessarily open. And I have this crazy stat about Lamar Jackson. So when he's created with his legs, when he's had time to throw three, 3.1 seconds or more since 2019, he's 18-2. and two. Good <laughs> Lord. Yeah, that'll, that'll do, I think. <laughs> so, so well, yeah, don't let, him, don't let him bounce around back there. Not going to work out for you. No, and so I guess what I'll just do then is I'll go ahead and send some extra rushers from the intermediate level and try to get, oh, God, oh, no. Well, that's not, that doesn't seem good either. Uh, so what, what, what is the best solution in, in your eyes in terms of what, I mean, obviously we, we know what Spags is made of. We know there will, there will be varied looks. We know there will be varied pressures. Uh, we don't know about Willie Gay right now. Nick Bolton and Drew Tranquil will both be out there, and then we'll see either, either Leo uh, Chanel or, or Willie Gay. Hopefully Willie Gay ends up being available. Not totally sure what's going on with the neck thing. That was a, late week thing and all of that. So we may find out yeah. some today, but uh, what what can you do there? Also noting Mike Edwards leaves the Bills game early in the concussion protocol. Don't know where he's going to be. So they're on safety. They have safety one, three, and four back there right now. Shamari Connor's been great, but uh, safety one, three, and four, and maybe linebackers one, two, and four. What, what can you do to speed Lamar up without sacrificing in the intermediate? Well, a couple of things. The first would be stimulated pressures. We know that Spags likes to blitz. We've seen it. Um, but that's not necessarily great. Sure, it worked in the first half of that Ravens game last week when the Texans brought the blitz, but you kind of have to remember that the Ravens took sort of two weeks off, so mm. that quick attack, I mean, look what happened in the second half of that game. I mean, he went from completing five of nine passes to eight of nine passes, and by the way, he scored a touchdown against the blitz in both halves. That's Lamar Jackson. So what you're going to have to do is kind of mix up blitzes with simulated pressures because they need to disguise the pass rush because Lamar can get confused. Mm. He can, everyone can. Let, mm-hmm. let me be clear. It's not just Lamar, right? So limiting big plays with simulated pressure, perhaps having him check it down a little bit more, keeping everything in front of them, that's going to be an absolute key in this matchup. You have to remember also the Texans, they have one kind of one corner that's really, I mean, Derek Stingley's incredible. But apart from that, this is a team that was giving up the most yards per play to play action all season long, like mm-hmm. over 10. So you kind of they, they had to do things differently than the way that the Chiefs will operate, especially because the Chiefs have good corners, like very good corners, two of them. So that will help create like those boundary situations will be a lot less favorable. So keeping things in front of the Chiefs defense will be the key. I want to give us some time to talk about the NFC side also, so go ahead and tell me what, what you're seeing right now for uh, for Chiefs-Ravens, because you're, you're giving me some places where I'm, I'm hoping in, in regions in this game that I was not necessarily expecting to get to get hopeful with. So uh, so tell me tell me if my if my hope is going to continue to blossom here. I, look, my, I, this one is about as close as they come for me. I know that it's going to come down to the final injury report. Mm-hmm. I think it's hard. 
it's hard to it's hard to imagine a scenario where this game isn't decided by a last minute you know three point like less than three point situation I, I truly right now it is as it's a coin flip in in my models right now so it's again injury report will have to come out but if I'm the Chiefs I'm really hopeful and I'm certainly at least you know keeping an eye on what the price is for flights to, you know, Las Vegas might be. <laughs> hey, look, I feel like, you know, the perks of it being in Vegas is if, they, if all of a sudden you're just going to Vegas, you know, for, for a few days or whatever, maybe you can uh, put that flight to good use still. We are we are officially in coin flip territory. Not enough precincts reporting. that. I don't know if you, I I know. Know that you've done that to Crazy. us yet this year. I, I usually don't. I truly don't usually do that because in general it's it's more, you know, it's, it's more decided. Yeah. Which to me, especially given the fact that you know, I, they're, the Chiefs are three-and-a-half-point underdogs. That would lead me to believe that if I were a person who maybe lived in Vegas or did the thing that <laughs> happens in Vegas more, which I am not because I work for the National Football League, sure. I would go maybe see, you know, take my Chiefs, uh, you know, with, with a little bit of extra spice, if you will, with a side of spice, a three-and-a-half spicy spice spice. <laughs> Cynthia, I have no idea what you're referring to, and neither does anybody mm-hmm. else, and that's what's nope. important. Um, but I, it'll, it'll be it'll be a spicy game. Uh, and then what about the NFC side? Where where are you at? I'm curious about the models. I'm also curious about just you emotionally going into the NFC Championship game. Those are two very different questions. <laughs> um, as for the model, the, I do have a closer than seven point win, uh, win for the Niners. I have a five point win. Um, which is hopeful for Lions fans. <laughs> um, I, it's just going to be there, – there's a couple of things. Number one, if you look at what happens to the Lions against deep passes, it hadn't been good. Now, I know that C.J. Gardner-Johnson is now back, and that does help. And the Lions, instead of giving up a bunch of deep plays against the Bucks, they actually gave up the most intermediate passes last week in their entire season. I'm not sure if that's better or worse. I just know that it's different, and that game ended well for Lions fans. But I will say it's going to be hard. If if they, if they there's ever a look where Brock Purdy gets Brandon Ayuk on a one-on-one with Cam Sutton, I, it's just not going to – it's curtains for the Lions with that. So the Lions would have to do some miraculous stopping on that defense. And also, I, I do think the offense is a little bit better positioned, except for the fact that, you know, there is an area of the field that Jared Goff is incredible at, and that's those inbreakers. And that just so happens to be the very best spot of that of that uh, San Francisco defense as well. So it's iron versus iron on that one. But I do think if you're if you're looking for something to be excited for in your Lions fan, the Jameer Gibbs numbers, I think they're going to go. Uh, those those people in Vegas, they have them too low. If you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I think Jameer Gibbs will have an impactful game in this one. And my heart. You're like if it, there's no way I'm not like on television saying that the Lions are going to. Now I'm going to say just like any good analytics firm, this brings this this whole interview full circle. Um, sometimes you have to take the lower probability uh, option. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes you have to <laughs> you have to go for the thing that might not make the most sense. The Eagles did it with the Philly special. That wasn't the highest probability play there, and that worked out for them. So there are some things where there are some positive aspects of this. When was the last time that a, a sports loss just like really crushed you? Um, you know, it's it's been a while. Like because I I'm from Michigan, I'm used to some not so great. Yeah. 
you know, I'm used, I'm used to some bad, some bad stuff happening. Um, Your sports so immune it, system is very strong. It is incredibly strong. And, uh, yeah, no, I, I haven't, I haven't, I will say though, you know, I've seen some, like, if you're a Bills fan, that one, that one hurt, that yeah. one stung this past, like, the Chiefs, the Chiefs one stung. If you're, I've seen some ones where I can feel for other people, but mm-hmm. I am pretty immune to, to terrible ones. In fact, in a lot of ways, I think most Lions fans feel like they're playing with house money at this point. We talked about them some, that some at the beginning of the show, because we were, uh, you know, before the playoffs, we were talking about what the Chiefs' actual standard should be, and, and what, what would each of these results be? You know, losing the Dolphins would have been a disaster, and I think losing in yep. Buffalo would have been disappointing. And now it's like, well, yep. you know, keep, keep the AFC Championship game streak alive in a really good Ravens team, but I don't think that's going to be very soothing on the plane ride back if they lose that game, or uh, for, you know, all the flaws of this Chiefs season, but it, it certainly it certainly feels a whole lot better right now than it would have if their season would have ended either in a, a frozen arrowhead or maybe even worse losing in Buffalo. I, I Again, accomplishments notwithstanding, that would have been a really good day for the Bills, and I think it would have led to some really terrible takes for the next few months if they would have lost that game. 100%. Um, by the way, I think I remember my, my worst loss. I actually got really, really worked up with a, at the Chiefs' loss to the Patriots um, before the Atlanta Super Bowl. Wow. That one really – that one really got to me. like I I was in the tank on that one because it was Patrick's first season as a starter, mm-hmm. you know, second season overall, and it was such a special year. And I just remember I had watched him. I was out there for training camp, and I like fell in love with him, like just from being funny and I don't know. I just really liked him. That's was partly when my mom became you know started calling Patrick her grandson because <laughs> I really just thought he was like I was so happy to see that like the next generation of these quarterbacks coming out were like awesome and we'd have I felt like I finally felt like football was like okay well like if Tom Brady and you know all these guys end up ever retiring we're going to be okay you know and I just and I remember being so I was so mad at the end of the game I was like I need to like I need to like get it together I need to like reconsider how this is making me feel and what that says about me I was like I was I, I was like inconsolable for a little while well, I I hope that uh, either way that the uh, the Lions NFC Championship trip is uh, a good experience for you. But I would much rather you get to uh, to celebrate that and to see your two teams uh, of uh, of affection in Vegas. Although Dylan made the point earlier that I do kind of agree with. If the Chiefs win, it would be better for us emotionally. If the Niners won, because being the team that has to try to stop the Lions in the Super Bowl is a level of <laughs> villainy that we're not fully ready for. I mean, it's hard. It's hard. The Midwest, the Midwest on Midwest crime is, yes. is a hard one, you know? <laughs> it's, a, it's a hard one. <laughs> it's kind of a thing that makes the Buffalo rivalry a little stingy. It, like, they're the most, they're the most Midwestern you could possibly be on the East Coast. Like, yep. that, that's a Midwestern city that happens to be in the Northeast. And, uh, I, I feel that a little bit. Yeah. No, I mean, look, like, it's funny because there are very few teams. It's, it's, and it changes every year. Like, I, I was, kind of out on the Texans for a while and now they're pretty charming you know yes. so it's just amazing how things can can change so so interestingly and differently but I'll always love like all my Midwest teams it's, it, I just kind of feel bad for Buffalo because they still pay like East Coast tax yeah. and, <laughs> and they're Midwesterners you know yeah. and they had to play the Patriots for 20 bleeping years oh, there with, all, with, with yeah, those suckers terrible. Uh, yeah no I, I absolutely feel that and I would I would love to uh, just to get to keep talking about a Midwestern Super Bowl so uh, Cynthia thank you as always I, uh, I hope the coin flip eventually lands on the Chiefs side and I uh, would love to talk about the Chiefs and Lions advancing with you next week 
Absolutely. You know it. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the football. <laughs> you do the same. You do the same because there aren't that Thank many you. of these, uh, not that many of these games left. In fact, uh, I know. Just three of them. Yeah, which actually just made me a little sad. Okay. Thank you, Cynthia. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. I got I to gotta sit and just kind of stew in that. There's three. God, oh, God. There's only three football games left. Okay. Uh, let's take a break. I'm going to have a little crisis. We'll come back and uh, begin to get you ready to go out to Arrowhead to hear from a whole bunch of Chiefs live from Arrowhead as they prepare to have one of the last three games of the NFL season. And hopefully the one that punches their ticket back to yet another Super Bowl. Thanks again to Cynthia Freeland, NFL Network, for spending a, about a half hour with us every single Wednesday. Always love talking to her about anything. And a lot of stuff to begin looking forward to between the Chiefs and the Ravens. Uh, I think the Lamar Jackson stat, did you say 18-2? and two? I wrote it down after the first time. I, I it, when, when he has more than 3.1 seconds to throw, you got to speed Lamar Jackson up. But then if you speed him up and spread your defense out, he'll kill you. And if you don't speed him up, he'll kill you. And if you speed him up and leave openings in your secondary, he'll kill you. So, good luck. We will hear from a couple of members of the Chiefs' defense today, along with the usual. I mentioned earlier... Totally different uh, roster this week as the uh, NFL swoops in and uh, makes sure we get to hear from plenty of people from the podium. So today, in about 10 minutes or so, we will hear from Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Chris Jones, Isaiah Pacheco, Justin Reid, Harrison Butker, and Creed Humphrey. That is the plan as things stand right now, of course. Uh, always could get little uh, tweaks or changes as we go, but a lot of Chiefs going to the podium. We're going to bring them all to you here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. We'll also have the game itself for you on Sunday, by the way. Kicking off Sunday evening, you'll hear the game right here, courtesy of Westwood One, and then as soon as the game goes final, it'll be same uh, same duo you're hearing right now. So, Dylan, say hi, Dylan. Hello. I'm supposed to say hi, Dylan. See, uncoachable. <laughs> It'll be me and Dylan and, of, co- of course, uh, Covell Hudson also uh, in the postgame show right after the game goes final. So you can listen to the AFC Championship game right here on 810. You can listen to us break it all down, of course, from a Kansas City perspective. And then after the uh, postgame show, depending on how things go, we'll bring you whatever's left of the NFC Championship game. I say depending on how things go, because if they lose, we might end up, you know, getting through some things quicker. Heck, honestly, if they lose, we might get through something slower, depending on what the phone lines look like and why that game goes the way that it does. So uh, we will have you covered, certainly, all Sunday, getting you ready for another AFC Championship game, which is still honestly ridiculous that I just, I I can say that, as, I, again, I mentioned earlier, I did a, a radio hit for a station in Toronto this morning. I had not been on since last year's uh, AFC Championship game week. Maybe the Super Bowl, I can't remember. And the host said, Josh, have you learned to not uh, make any plans for late January by this point? And like, yeah, no, I, I have. Like, unironically, we just all kind of assume a little bit that there's a better than non-chance the Chiefs are playing in January in games that matter in a m- major way. It's unfathomable that that is where we stand right now at this point in Chiefs history of an organization and a franchise 
that has not been that team. I, I don't I don't ever want the 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 novelty of Reed Mahomes, Kelsey, and everything this Chiefs team has been. I don't want it, I don't want the novelty to wear off and then also to forget the substance underneath. Go back and, and rewatch some uh ugly Chiefs playoff games of years past or uh Try to try to remember what it felt like when you were not sure that your team would ever have a quarterback. Now here we are, and it's uh, it's better this way. We'll take a timeout, and then we will hear from that quarterback again after we hear from Andy Reid. Reid, Mahomes, Jones, Pacheco, Justin Reid, Harrison Bucket, Creed Humphrey. Currently, the roster in the uh, in the lineup right now. We'll see if there are any late uh, late movements or anything like that. But I think right now that leaves uh, Pacheco hitting cleanup. That seems pretty good. And uh, Andy Reid will lead us off. So we'll take a timeout, come back, and go out to Arrowhead to hear from the Chiefs. That's next year on Sports Radio 810 WHB.